0: All right, we are in 1 Timothy. We are getting going and getting more practical about how to uh, fight false teaching. Uh, And as we talked about last week, or the last time we were together... Uh, Paul he laid it all out in chapter one about the false teaching and how the gospel is sufficient to save even the worst of sinners who he claims that it was him uh, and so that gives hope to all of us and then he gets into more focus on the prayer and now he's going to get it even more focused about he told us the importance of prayer is evangelism it's about those that are out there that's why the church church exists is for those out that are not in the church all right we're always outward focus and. And just like God, we, he meets us where we're at, and then he takes us to where he wants us to be. And so as the church being the avenue for God, we are to uh, be outward focused, meeting people where they're at, bringing them to where God wants them to be, and then moving along. So we accept them, and then we say, all right, this is the reality, and then God then does the work of moving them to being more like Jesus. And we're there together to encourage one another, to help one another. So Paul is getting really more focused with all this uh, and is, uh, is going to get more practical with everything. And so we look at verses 8 through 10. All right? We're just going to do 8 through 10. Uh, and if you want to read ahead, then you'll see that the next time we're together, uh, we are going to be hitting probably the most controversial passage to date uh, and where the church is constantly battling, uh, and, uh, sadly. And, uh, so we're going to do a deep dive. That's probably going to be a two part message of looking at, um, verses 11 through 15. All right. But we are going to focus on eight through 10 right now. So the focus is, uh, in, it might seem out of place now that he's moving, talking more specifically to men and women. But in the original Greek, there is the word "therefore," uh, meaning that because of the importance of prayer in evangelism, then there is a conduct in our corporate worship that either validates or the, our message or not. Because the world is constantly looking at what's going on, and so when they come into our into the church building and amongst the Christian people. Do they see a difference? Uh, do they see something that's enticing? All right? It's like my grandpa used to always say that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can't add salt to its oats. So it's, is the way that we conduct ourselves amongst one another enticing enough to get the world even thirstier for what we have? All right, so let's look at this. Verse 8, in every place of worship, so not just Ephesus, and that's an important context thing of looking at the, the remaining passage here, is that not just in Ephesus, in every place of of worship, so any place where God's worship, this is how it should be. I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. All right. So this whole concept of lifting our hands up, and that seems very weird to us, but it was very common back then. All right. Uh, we we close our eyes, we fold our hands, or we hold hands around the dining room table because we don't want uh, people to start eating before we pray. All right. That's that's the reason why we do it now. Uh, but it's. Uh, Back then, they would actually pray with their eyes open, lift, looking up to heaven with their hands lifted high. It's kind of like uh, my kids when they're younger coming up to, to me and say, hey, Dad, hold me. Right? It's, it's surrendering. It's, it's in placing, uh, saying, hey, we're here to receive what you have to give to us, and we're also surrendering our own will to you. Uh, and so this holy hands, what does that mean? It represents purified hearts. All right, so Paul's getting at if we have sin, we need to confess it and deal with it. We need to realize who we are talking to. We're not talking to the ceiling. We're not talking to once another. Uh, we are talking to God. Uh, and this is kind of a, sad, a side note, but you'll see this oftentimes with preachers. When they have a lot of time to preach, when they come to the part that the time's up and they haven't gotten the rest of the sermon done, then all of a sudden they they they. All right, let's pray. And then they take, because nobody's going to interrupt their prayer time, that doesn't count as their message time. So then you're paying attention to their prayer. It's like, I think that was the remaining of his sermon. Like he's given the rest of his sermon, all the rest of the points type thing. And so we need to recognize when we pray, we're not praying to one another. We're praying to God, the one that's seated on the throne. He knows all things. There's no hiding from him. So we're not going to, we can fool others, but we can't fool God. So he sees the sin. We might as well deal with it. Being like, hey, God, you know what I just said back there. That wasn't right, and I need to deal with that. I need to repent. All right. So what he's getting at, this is the big point, is while our prayers are directed vertically, our horizontal relationships impact our prayers. We're focused vertically, but our horizontal relationships impact our prayers. And this goes across the board, not just with prayers. Our horizontal relationships with one another impacts our vertical relationship with God. And our where we need to get to is that our vertical relationship with God impacts our horizontal relationship with one another. And he talks about anger. All right, uh, and in Matthew, Jesus talks about this. He talks about anger. All right, he says. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, this is Jesus, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. And If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So what do we do? He says, So, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. See, even Jesus was saying, hey, before you come before me, you need to make sure that everything's right with one another. This is getting back to this whole thing, this controversy, this anger. All right, It's okay to get angry. All right, men, it's it, boys. It's okay to get angry. We just need to follow Jesus and getting angry about the right things. His anger led to th- something better. It left things better than when it what when he started. All right, Jesus, he got angry. He did, he forgot to count the ten, and he instead made a whip because people were keeping others from him. All right, so he got angry about the right things, and he made it right. So it's okay to get angry. But when it comes to anger with once and one another, then that's when we have to really watch it and be careful of our conduct because we don't want to cause division. All right, where there is division, the demonic is at work. Where there is unity that transcends worldly logic, the spirit of God is. And false teaching it is constantly fighting. All right, and it's bringing up more and more issues. And I wish I could say that this only happened back then, but I Googled search church fights. And I was absolutely shocked by how many links popped up. All these different news articles about actual fights breaking out in church and the controversy, and it broke my heart because the world's looking on. They're seeing that, they're like, well, they can't get together, then what hope do we have? Jesus said, God, listen, may they be one as we are one, then the world will be one, right, W-O-N. Uh, until we unify, then the world won't listen to our message. Moves on. Verse 9, And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent, appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. All right, so... A while back, I was at this church, and it was a good-sized church in California, all right, and uh, I was a minister there in the college-age ministry, and uh, so Sunday mornings, we kind of all would all be there on staff, and I mean, what I'm wearing now is what I would wear uh, church there. I mean, you guys have seen me on Sundays, blue jeans and a nice button-up shirt, that's it, right, uh, and uh, in California, I might wear shorts and flip-flops, but you know what I'm saying. Anyways, That was the norm, right? That's how we usually dress. But we would actually rent out our church to the Russian uh, Orthodox in the area. And as we're clearing out type thing, you would come and you would see, it was like a fashion show. It was like everybody from Paris all of a sudden stopped and they came over to church here. And I mean, it was the guys were in three-piece suits with ties. I mean, you could see your face in their shoes, how much they had it polished. The women are wearing these high stiletto heels and and skirts and they're dressed to the nights I mean they all and then you think oh that's just mom and dad let's look at the kids the kids were all dressed I mean the kids were wearing these button on or clip-on ties and the girls were all dressed up I mean it all of them I mean they it was a full-on fashion show every Sunday and it would just stand there and it's just like I am completely underdressed I mean they're wearing their complete bling and here I am wearing my blue jeans right so, uh, and Paul is kind of getting at this point. And he, what we need to remember is the cultural context. The, the priestess of Artemis, they were very, uh, the, remember, Artemis was the champion god of the independent feminine spirit. And so their priestess kind of represented that, wearing their gold and fine uh, clothes. And they were very immodest in their dress, okay? Uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but they were very independent that, hey, this is who I am. I'm going to embrace my femininity right so ladies uh this might not apply to you but just work with me here all right when someone walks into the room especially another woman how fast do you size them up <laughs> they're chuckling yes be you, listen before they even walk two feet you have priced their full outfit and you know their whole life story based on how they look all right Am I right? Uh, I mean, you you have judged them and passed sentence like that. All right, uh, I, I'm, I'm us guys were clueless, right? I mean, uh, we'll get into the car. Did you see such and such? No, I guess I wasn't paying attention. Did you see what they were? Wearing? No, I guess I didn't pay attention to that either. You know, uh, it's it what happens. And he's talking about braided hair with gold and precious metal uh, materials in it, and this was like the Louis Vuitton heels of the day, right? That's how you gave your clout. That's how you told them who you were. And so these women, they would get completely dressed up and all dolled up and they're just strutting in, all right? Uh, and everybody's like, wow, she must be really important type thing. And, and, and the nose is up in the air, right? And, and that's the, the, they were giving out this era that, hey, uh, I'm important, pay attention. What it would do All right. Paul's not against dressing nice. The point was that it shouldn't cause division or make others feel less fortunate. Because what was happening is you don't want to lead anyone to sin, stumble or increase hardship. And so what would happen is like, oh, wow, she's really dolled up. And oh, look at that. She's got the latest robe from coach. I I mean, wow, look at that. Like that's that's. High class, right there, and then all of a sudden she's elbowing her husband. Wow, how come you don't provide for me like that? Like, and and you you need to make more money so I can get stuff like that. And it will start this whole jealousy war 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 going on, and and you were causing more and more hardship. All right, well I can't afford it, and my husband's a deadbeat, so I'm just going to rack up debt and all. Then so then you come in, and it's like, and then they have something nicer, and it just starts that whole cycle, right? I know this has happened back then. It doesn't happen today. I I know. I know. I'm just. Speaking nonsense. Now, listen, there is no keeping up with the Joneses in the church. It's about staying in step with the Spirit. That's our focus. Living your life based on the opinions of others is slavery, and the sooner you get that understanding, the more free you will be. Now, this leads to Paul's next point of how we should be recognized. We all should be known for the good that we do, not how we dress. Our good deeds are a result of being saved, not for our salvation, and the world notices. All right, you, you've all heard the story of our two youngest girls and how they came about. Well, there was one day that I was on shift, and the medic crew that was with us on that call, he, they were stationed there. And the one guy, he's a very strong atheist, uh, very, very brilliant. He knows his scripture. Uh, and um, we were just talking Right. Just normal chit chat. And he was asking about the girls and I was telling him about the girls and and uh, showing them pictures of how they're doing and everything like that. And then he said, you know what? I go to these churches and they're big old fancy buildings and they got their own. The preacher has their own parking spot and he is promoting his newest book and speaking to her and he's raising money for his new private jet. And I don't have room for that. In my thinking, like when I read your guys' Bible and you guys are worshiping a homeless guy, this doesn't make any sense. And he said, but then you and your wife go and do something so selfless, it makes me question everything. Let us be known by our good deeds. Next point Is that Paul is making the point here that both men and women sin. And it might seem obvious, but really look at how the church deals with both men and women. All right. Especially on Father's Day and Mother's Day. This is where classic thing is, that the mothers are all, oh ladies, you're doing a great job and way to be the mom of the year, and just keep going, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, and then Father's Day rolls around, and it's like, guys, you got to step up, I mean, you're dropping the ball, like your family's counting on you, you need to provide more, you need to be the, the leader of your home, and and you need to stop doing this, and start doing that, and it, it's just hammering, and you watch this, and it happens, and a lot of this happens because of the, the preachers are male, and so we're going to deal more with uh, what we know, Right? And some of it is also this feminist spirit that's risen up in the church. We'll deal with that next time. Uh, but we need to recognize that both men and women sin, all right? Uh, and we all, listen, we all have this idea of who we want to marry. What you really need to focus on, though, is becoming the person worthy of such a spouse. So that's why we need to focus on ourselves. And men, you got to deal with your anger. You need to get angry about the right things and keep a lid on the things that don't matter. The you got to deal with your lust, your pride, being passive. Women, you got to work on not being tolerant of sin, not just doing the comparison game, not tearing down through gossip and trying to grab authority that's not yours to have. Like you got to learn these things. And thinking that this is just Paul, you know, there's proof that the Holy Spirit wrote all scripture and this is one of those instances is that there is a similar things that were written in two different areas by two different authors who were in two different areas yet around the same time right they they didn't they weren't around each other when these books were written but first peter was written about the same time as first timothy and the whole same holy spirit guided peter in writing this in uh first peter three one through seven And the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Going back to what, what Paul said, right? Let them be known by your good deeds. And he says, "Don't be concerned about your outward beauty or fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within—the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God." This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. That's a whole nother story that we'll get into. And, I mean, just to a study on Abraham, the dude was not doing his duties right, okay? But she still followed. And the point is, is focusing on not putting your, your worth and your looks, but more in who you are and becoming that daughter of the king. But, guys, just in case you think you're getting off the hook... Listen to this, he saves his harshest words for you. And the same way, you husbands must honor, give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, and he's talking that word weaker there is actually uh, fine china. That's, that's the word there. So she might be weaker than you are, so she's precious, but she's also fragile, right? But she is your equal partner, all right? Your equal partners in God's gift of new life. And sometimes that gets overlooked. She's your equal partner. And then if this next part does not send shivers down your spine, you need to check your pulse. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Because, why is that? Because our horizontal relationships affects our vertical relationship. So we have to get this together because the our world out there is desperately needing what we have and we have to, look. when they look at us, do we send something that is, uh, is enticing? Or are we simply playing dress up? It's time that we stop dressing up and we start growing up. We need to be the men and women Jesus died for you to be. Because the world is at stake.